Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek, and we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We will offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Isaac. So we have a a cool guest with us today. A lot of times on this podcast, we talk a lot about obviously mental skills, uh, you know, and and how to perform at your best. We're going to take a little uh, change direction a little bit here today and discuss problem gambling, uh, something that's a huge or can be a huge struggle for athletes. Um, athletes are at risk for, for developing gambling disorders. And so today's guest, we have Stephen Opie. Stephen acts as the Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Gamban, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, Gamban is a solution that blocks access to online, online gambling, providing those struggling with an extra tool on their recovery journey. Stephen works extensively with governmental bodies, regulators, and commercial organizations globally. He helps guide on the best practice for distribution and strategy in online gambling, self-exclusion to ensure commercial sustainability and player protection standards through connecting schemes, tools, and initiatives. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Rob and Rachel, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you both today. So we mentioned, gave a little tidbit on, on Gamban, uh, but we would like you to maybe kind of get into that a little more and, and what that's all about and, and how that is really a great tool that, that helps individuals um, and, and helps the you know, individuals struggling with gambling. Yeah, no problem. So um, I guess I start our product is a gambling blocking software. Um, that blocks access to gambling sites and apps, which is designed to be difficult to remove as possible, depending on your device. Um, the kind of heritage story of gambling comes from lived experience of gambling addiction, um, online that is, um, from both of our founders. So that's Jack Simmons and Matt's our cousin. Um, at the time when they decided to, sorry, what were you going to ask me? No, go ahead. I was no, just, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so at the time, the guys were struggling to control their urges to, 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 to prevent themselves from gambling online, and they weren't really happy with what existed at the time. So they decided to build Gamban, our own blocking solution. And that was around seven years ago. Um, at that time, there was no other solutions that were cross-compatible with multiple devices. So Gamban was actually the first blocking solution to cover off Windows, Mac, iOS and Android devices, um, which is still no easy task to remain on top of. Um, at the moment, our tech team were probably rushing to get the latest version of iOS updated. So it's something that we constantly have to remain on top of. Um, blocking software is relatively new to the US because online gambling and sports betting is relatively new. 
Um, unfortunately, in the UK, it's been ingrained, well, fortunately, it's been ingrained in society for probably 20 years now. So, yeah, online gambling wasn't regulated for the first 10 years, which then led to a lot of socioeconomic issues and gambling addiction spiraling from that. So that's why um, things are more developed with regards to gambling addiction um, in the UK at the moment. Sure. Sure. So, so to kind of summarize here, so if, if you have Gamban on your device, um, mm -hmm. any of these, you know, online casinos, sports books, things like that would be blocked. Um, person wouldn't have access or, or be able to, to hop on these sites and, and access those things as easily as they normally could. Yeah, precisely. Um, like in, in the US, there's very little knowledge about blocking software at, mm -hmm. at this point in time. And that's purely because everything's quite new at the moment. Um, at the moment, sports betting is rolling out. Um, but that's not as harmful as, say, online casino. And unfortunately, when someone becomes susceptible to gambling addiction, and I'm talking in a remote sense with your like online gambling, You've got a thing called accessibility. You can access gambling content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you could essentially be walking around with a casino in your pocket, a 24-hour open casino in your pocket, and that could be highly dangerous for someone who's been affected, affected by gambling disorder. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I, I think you hit it on the head there with just you know, obviously gambling has always been a, a big deal and um, a risk for, for many people, but, you know, this whole transition to online has just taken it up about, uh, you know, a hundred notches. Um, oh. you know, when somebody could just, there, there is no end. There's no, you know, there's yeah. no leaving the casino, uh, right? It's, it's with you every day, all day, um, whether you're at work, at home, um, you know, it's, the accessibility is just, you know, crazy. Pretty much like it's, uh, it, it's scary, but for us, it's normalized over here because we've always grown up with gambling adverts and TV and, mm -hmm. and hearing it on the radio and seeing it in the sports. But unfortunately, things have kind of got to the stage where the Gambling Act is being reviewed in, in the UK at the moment. And one mm -hmm. of the topics they're discussing is actually removing advertising from football games and on sporting events because gambling addiction is beginning to spiral out of control right need to worry more about things like harm minimization on a national scale over here so i'm sure the the americans are sick of listening to europeans coming over and say <laughs> learn from our failures etc but that's kind of like the lay of the land back back to where, where i'm based out of just outside of london at the moment so. yeah and you said the advertising part i mean there i hear that so much from from clients and clients that are athletes with just you know you, you can't go anywhere without seeing a sign or um you know what watching a sporting event and every other commercial is about some sports book or you know so you know that obviously makes it very difficult for somebody who's who's struggling and and trying to you know change their change their ways 
Yeah, most certainly. Like last week was uh, a bit of a shocker for us um, here in the UK. Um, soccer is obviously massive in, in Europe and, and, and in England. Um, not a big soccer fan myself. I'm more of a UFC fan. Yeah. But um, literally about a week and a half ago, um, there was former Arsenal and England international football player called Paul Merson. Um, we have a Good Morning show called Britain. Good Morning Britain. And okay. he was actually on there discussing his gambling addiction. Um, his previous kind of history was tainted with alcohol and, and substance abuse. But on the show, he actually details how he felt his gambling addiction was a lot more destructive than his previous vices. And it cost mm. him well over £7 million, pounds, um, mm. which he'll never get back. And he kind of goes into talking about um, the lockdown period. Paul, like the rest of us, last year we were all in a position of lockdown through the through the pandemic. And he said for him as a gambling addict, it was the scariest time of his life because when you're combating addiction, it's like a, an inner fight and you're, you're alone to your thoughts. And he had managed to save up quite a substantial amount of money to get him and his family out of rental accommodation again. And he said every day was a, a struggle to kind of prevent himself from spending that money in gambling. Um, and then he shouted out Gamba and he said, I've got to, I'm actually quote him here. He said, I had a casino in my pocket. I walk in 24 hour casino and that's the mobile phone. I'm lucky I've got a thing called Gamba and it cuts out every single thing about gambling. Um, but just as a disclaimer there, we don't cut out every single thing about gambling, but we do block um, access to gambling content. Sure. No, I mean, it's, it's so hard. And I think you make such a good point, especially with, you know, kind of the isolation of, of the lockdown and everything like that. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that is the one thing that we did always have access to was our phones, you know, and especially with targeted ads and all of that, it's just, it's constant. Um, and so I guess, could you also share a little bit more about why athletes can really be at high risk for developing a gambling addiction or, or disorder? Yeah, like if we talk about this, it, we laid out in the context of the US, like the US a few years ago, we were listening to the likes of say the, the NFL and NBA and NCAA, who were highly against the rollout of wagering on sports because they were afraid that their athletes could become susceptible to gambling addiction. Um, and that would potentially affect the integrity of sports. And I think that um, integrity and consumer protection are two sides of the same coin. So for example, the NCAA student athletes are now about to come into contact with like the liberalization of gambling and being able to face bets in specific sports. Um, and I think it's really important to bear in mind what the risks are to those athlete, athletes decide that they might want to have a, a wager on something not relevant to their own sport. Um, and some of the main questions you have to consider is like, what if they become addicted to gambling as they are the most vulnerable demographic because society is betting on them and in their games. Um, what the consequences of that may be, um, whether that makes them more susceptible to fixing matches or how this impacts sports integrity. So it's at very early stages at the moment, but I believe all this is coming down the track and that at the very least, we should be trying to place an emphasis on, on tools like ourselves or try to incentivize 
say, student athletes in particular, not to get involved in gambling because gambling addiction poses a serious risk, first of all, sports integrity, and more importantly, the person and their families. Um, gambling addiction, like, like I just touched on, it doesn't affect just the person, but it's the relationships with the families and friends as well. And then I guess another thing to consider, and I'm, I'm sure you sympathize with this, Rob, being a, a former athlete yourself, like athlete, athlete wages, like can you imagine how high they are, and you would imagine their wagers would be significantly higher than your average person. So if they fall into to gambling addiction or start to, to, to wager on gambling as a pastime, you can only imagine how much what they would deem as an affordable bet compared to your average person's. Yeah, no, I think those are such good points. And I think kind of in addition to that too, you know, Rob and I kind of talk about this content concept of sort of like the good wolf versus the bad wolf, you know, and how we have good wolf in us and versus we also have kind of that bad wolf in us. And that can relate to kind of our self-talk that can relate to kind of the actions that we take, things like that. And, you know, whichever wolf we feed is the wolf that, that wins. Right. But I think yeah. that related to that concept as athletes, we have a natural tendency to want to win, right? We have a natural tendency towards competition. Um, and that can be used for good. You know, it can be used to fuel our performance, but also in situations like this, you know, with gambling, it can also be used kind of, you know, towards our own demise, right? Because it's just, it fuels that addiction. It fuels that, that sort of like, energy that we get from competition and from the opportunity to win um sometimes even some you know from the fear of losing so i think just you know being able to kind of like you know have that awareness that you know we have this drive towards competition we have this drive towards towards winning but even that can be something that can either fuel and feed the good wolf or, or feed the bad wolf, you know? Yeah, totally. To be honest, like, yeah, I never really considered that to mention it, but no, you do like, I suppose like gambling addiction and, and say the psyche of a competitive athlete, there's some similar synergies or, or traits there that can obviously fuel the bad wolf, as you say. Yeah. And if you want me to touch on some of those traits, like it takes one win to get hooked and one loss to want to, to want to want that win back. And that's how the cycle of addiction can be, uh, can start really, you know, so. Yeah, and I, th I think just like Rachel said, and you're saying, you know, that, right? The, I mean, the chasing's a big characteristic of, of problem gambling and, and tying that into an athlete's mindset, right, is the idea that eventually, right, <laughs> I'm going to win at this. I, I you know, um, yeah. that competitiveness comes out and it becomes not even about the money per se, it's about the win, right, and, and defeating this, this thing. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, that's where athletes can get into trouble. And if you take it to the professional ranks, like you said, Stephen, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, 
millions and millions of dollars that, that these athletes are making, um, that can very quickly escalate into, into something that's, you know, becomes out of control. And you mentioned the college ranks. I mean, you know, there, there have obviously been, you know, game fixing and, and stuff, but with all yeah. the, how big gambling's become and the online formats, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure there is stuff going on, but like, I'm shocked that we haven't had a, a big story in, in one of these schools of, um, you know, kind of things going on because I, it's just too, you know, too available. There, there's too, these athletes again, you know, they're at the college ranks. I mean, some of this is starting to change a little bit, but, um, you know, they're not getting paid and things like that. And, you know, yeah, like it, it's crazy. Like you're allowed to wager on student athlete games, but the student athletes don't earn a salary. Right. Which means, in my opinion, they could be more susceptible to bribery. Like you don't know what devils are out there to mm -hmm. try to tempt them to, to 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 fix a game or whatever. And yeah, the, 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 there's a lot of vices out there, and because it's so new to the US, I, I think that there needs to be a mainstream emphasis on on, on education, uh, and that needs to come from say the top down. And um, so coaches would need to then pass on information and, and, and look out for like telltale signs of like gambling addiction within the sporting teams and stuff like that because it, it's called a hidden addiction because most people when you hear about gambling addiction you just think of oh that's someone who can't control their urges but what people don't understand is it's uh, it's a mental health disorder right uh, the world health organization put it out there in the uk societies tainted with it and we're not the only jurisdiction in Europe that, that is. If you're looking at alcohol and, and substance abuse, there's various forms of treatment, but with gambling addiction, people don't like to talk about it and it's viewed that there is a whole stigma around it. So uh, I believe starting with like say student athletes like the NCAA organization, I, I think they have a, an excellent opportunity to start some mainstream education and awareness around that. Um, like I said, from the top down, like some of the telltale signs to, for coaches to kind of keep their eyes peeled for would be, say, some of their athletes missing training sessions or in other team events frequently or always showing up tired and saying they're not sleeping well, be mm -hmm. telltale sign of up gambling until the early hours, you know, or borrowing money from team members and so on and so forth. These are some of the small telltale signs and there's, there's way more to look for but at this stage i i think some mainstream education is, is very much needed you know absolutely so that kind of ties in or rolls into our our next question as far as the education piece are, are there some specific things that you think athletes need to be or should be educated on in terms of you know this disorder and and some of the the risks or warning signs that are, are out there well yeah the, 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 there's mainstream warning signs but like the financial harms like athletes ncaa student athletes are, are groomed to become the next big thing and 
once they start earning an athlete's wage, like five hundred dollars in one wager, it might be like chump change for for someone like them, and then for the for your average person, that is a lot of money. But it's so easy to get caught up in a vice like gambling that take Paul Merson, for example, seven million was lost there. So I think there, there needs to be more education around like financial repercussions that come with that. Like in the UK, we now have the, the financial conduct authority has moved into play. So you can actually block gambling transactions through your banking groups at the moment in the UK. Um, the only state I've seen in the US that's starting to adopt that approach is actually Michigan at the moment through some of the credit unions. Um, so I think a major emphasis around like good financial habits it should be considered as well. Absolutely. And I guess my, my other kind of question to that, because obviously the education and kind of having these discussions, you know, especially um, like you're saying, kind of from the top down. So coaches, things like that are so important. And I guess I'm just also curious, um, you know, from your, your work with this and in this field, what are some of the best ways to maybe, you know, support someone who is struggling with a gambling addiction to kind of get that help or to kind of make some of these changes because you know that like you're saying absolutely the risk and especially the financial risk is very high but for a lot of people that might not matter so much you know um and so that might not be the biggest like i guess driving force for getting that help um so I guess what would be some some things that you might say to coaches, to parents, you know, anybody who's sort of in that supporting role um, for somebody struggling with a gambling addiction to to really help them know how to approach their athlete or loved one, whoever it might be. Yeah. So again, I'll touch on accessibility. Accessibility when you're a gambling addict is very very harmful, and as things start to progress in the U.S. I think that from, say, a student-athlete perspective, that they need to incentivize um, tools like Gamban. It doesn't have to be Gamban, but a blocking solution, nonetheless, to kind of avoid those pitfalls. Uh, Wiseman once, once told me it's better to have a fence at the top of the hill than an ambulance at the bottom. Um, so like I said, when, when gambling advertisement or gambling in total is ingrained in, into the fabric of society, it, it's very difficult to to avoid when you when you've been stricken by it, you know. So um, I, I think they need to encourage more awareness around responsible gambling, um, what's available according to your state. Like um, I think sports betting or online gambling is now active in 33 states in the U.S. Um, every kind of state does have its own harm minimization strategy. So there is a process called self-exclusion where if you decide that you need to abstain from gambling, you can self-exclude yourself from these services, um, from, from gambling, what licensed gambling content. So you would call, there's like a helpline um, that would signpost you towards a self-exclusion scheme. And I think the regulator needs to be working hands-on with the sports leagues and they need to be promoting tools like ourselves and and, and really adopting advertising 
like responsible gambling messaging should be incorporated from inception now. And I don't want to harper on learning the lessons that from the UK and, and, and other European markets, but the sports leagues took too, um, too late to act. And it's only over the last seven years that they've started to, 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 to start considering more effective messaging towards responsible gambling and, and what those kind of patterns should look like. Um, like I said, here in the UK, it's got to the point where well, advertising on sports may not be legal anymore because it's done so much harm to society. So over everything, I think responsible gambling advertising is very much needed. And um, for parents and stuff like that, they need to look out for the signs. And if they do spot any signs or changes in behaviours, they need to kind of um, encourage tools like ourselves. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. Did I answer that correctly? No, <laughs> no, I think that, you know, all of that is, is really so important. And I think too, you know, kind of like you're saying, just with being aware of those signs and, and being attentive to those things and, you know, kind of taking the steps from there. I think one of the big things too is just the need to be aware and, and understanding of the pressures that athletes really face, you know, whether it's yeah. the things going on in life, whether it's the things going on in their sport, you know, both. Um, because, you know, from, from some of the things that we've seen as well is just that, you know, one of the driving factors really is, is kind of stress management or a, a lack thereof, essentially, you know, and kind of needing an outlet, um, you know, to, to, to get out of their heads a little better to, or, you know, needing an outlet for that stress. Um, and sometimes, you know, because of all of maybe those kind of fun stress, like sort of <laughs> neurotransmitters and stress chemicals and things that they get, you know, from that rush from gambling, Definitely. it's momentary, you know, but the, the support, the real stress management, the real emotional regulation, we can then create sort of, you know, healthier ways to achieve what they're trying to achieve in that moment. But, you know, longer term, if we just kind of support more of, of that, you know, real need for, for stress management, emotional regulation, and just support in general. But. Yeah, like, like the regulation of, of say, sports betting, I'm not against it, to be honest. Like, it was always very interesting watching things from outside of the US and seeing how it slowly progressed into what it is now. But illegal gambling, is, uh, illegal online gambling has existed for a long time in the US. And I, I'm, I'm happy to see that, that it's now regulated because that money can be put back into the country. And, and if you're betting on an illegal site, you're not too sure if you can even get your money back. So. It's good that regulation um, has started for sports betting, but when you're talking about putting yourself into the, the shoes of, say, a student athlete, like as you guys are very aware, like there is stress management and those kind of conversations need to happen. Like over here, um, student athletes, there's not a much of an emphasis on, 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 say, student athlete leagues and stuff like that in comparison to the US. And I think it's amazing on how you guys do it, like the way you cultivate your talent for the next generation of NBA or NFL players, fighters, etc. It's amazing, but like I said, not to keep Harper and on, learn from our mistakes and start encouraging mm -hmm. positive, safer play from inception. And 
I do mean that through more like widestream media, through the likes of the ESPN and so on and so forth, you know? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I think you mentioned ESPN. I mean, you know, you, you have even, even on there, right? It's, they have like specific betting shows now. I mean, shows that are, um, you know, about, about betting and, and people, you know, the experts on, on there. And, you know, even, even I was surprised the, the other day, just watching, forget what it was, (laughs) baseball game or something, but, you know, where they had, it used to just be like the scores at a town scoreboard at the bottom and you could, but now it's all like betting lines and every, I mean, it's, yeah. um, So it's crazy. It's in your face constantly. Yeah. Like one of the things I'll touch on and I, I don't want to bore you guys with all industry talk, but like there, there is a a strategy or a, a business model that gambling companies do use. Um, which always starts with sports betting. Like the main demographic of people who actually use Gambang are males. Um, and the reason why that is, is most males follow more, more, more sports, more widescreen sports than women. And that, that just tends to be how it is for us. But gambling operators start marketing to players or people, sorry, who would have the odd wager on a sport, not frequently, and they start marketing toward that player, but then they start marketing online casino and online slots, which is really way more volatile than, than sports betting. And, and that's how they kind of get people involved more heavily into to, to gambling is more than just a pastime or, yeah. or an infrequent pastime. And this is where why everyone's watching the US because everything is bigger and better in America, right? And it's more capitalist focused over here. So at the moment, we're seeing the big rollout of sports betting faster than any other country in the world. And the next kind of thing we're expecting from that would be online casino. Um, you can bet live in, in play betting, which is volatile because you're, you're basically making a financial decision um, based on just off impulse on, on how the game is going. But that's volatile in itself, but online casino and slots is where the true harm comes from. So I'm kind of watching this from outside perspective to see how it all evolves. Cool. So is there, um, where should someone, I mean, if they want to learn a little more about Gamban and um, the the tool, where where should someone go? Um, so at the moment, you can go to www.gamban.com. Um, we have started to align with some of the gambling operators. So if you'd like to place your sport betting um, with the likes of FanDuel um, and you do find yourself falling into harm's way, you can actually self-exclude through FanDuel and the Bill of Gambang for free paid for by them. Um, FanDuel have taken a real proactive approach into trying to remain ahead, ahead of the curve and, and they're kind of showcasing these other kind of gambling operators and what effective player protection looks like um, so if you do bet with Banjo and you find yourself falling into harm's way you can get our, our tech free from there otherwise we have our B2C site um, at gamban.com and one of the things that I'd like to kind of t- discuss about what, how our tech works is you, you download to your 
device, whether it's a laptop, iPad or desktop or phone, um, and it blocks access to, to, to gambling content. But given the nature of gambling addiction, one Gamban license, which is $34.99 for 12 months protection, actually um, allows you to put Gamban on up to 15 devices if necessary. Um, because if you do find yourself susceptible to gambling addiction, we, we, we urge you to put it on all your devices just to protect yourself from any urges that may come up, you know? Sure. So this, the, the subscription or the month of it would allow you to do that on multiple devices? Yes, that's awesome. correct. Yeah. 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 Because like I said, the, the whole genesis of Gamban is based upon lived experience. So both Jack Simmons and Matt's our cousin are reformed gambling addicts and they, 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 I'm sure they still struggle with, with their urges sometimes and they, they both use Kanban on all of the devices, but they understand the nature of the beast and that's why we've made it affordable and make sure you cover as much devices as possible because when somebody does hit the red zone, by that stage the, the, of, of wanting to self-help, they've already probably spent all their monies, you know, so. Awesome. Well, Stephen, it was uh, it was a pleasure. A lot of great information, um, and it was was wonderful talking to you today. Okay, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to meet you both and speak with you today. So, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. Please make sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.